Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Hi guys, how are we doing? Good? I always love being here. I'm gonna jump right in because we got something way more important than the message I have today. We have a message from people in the church as they get baptized. It's always one of my favorite things to be a part of is watching people make that statement of faith to Jesus Christ, the death of the burial and the resurrection of new life. And I love it. So I'm gonna jump right in and I wanna start with a uh, question. This is not a rhetorical question. This is a question you're gonna participate in. I want you uh, here in a second to turn to your neighbor and I want you to answer this question. And the question is this, what is one of, if not the biggest pet peeve that you have currently in your life. Tell your neighbor real fast, what is your biggest pet peeve that you currently have in your life right now? Ah, uh, this is awesome. I'm hearing some of it. And all the, all the introverts are like, this is exactly my biggest pet peeve right here. The pastor asking us to talk to our neighbor. Thank you for that, right? Hey, I'm an extrovert, so I just don't get you guys, but I'm sorry that I did that, and I hope it wasn't too painful for you. I'll share you, uh, with you guys, uh, since I didn't have anyone up here, I'll share with you probably my biggest current pet peeve at this phase of my life. In fact, no, it is my biggest pet peeve. It is this. Some of you, and this is why we call them pet peeves, because you talk to them about people, and you're really bothered by them, but most other people, if they're not bothered by them, they're like, what's, what's the big deal? This is mine. It's here. I hate, and it is happening at the Christmas season at a pandemic level right now, okay? Like, it's bad. I hate when people leave their shopping carts by their cars after they're done shopping. Can I get an amen from anyone? It dry, I, I may just be getting old and grumpy like my father now, like I get it, but something about that just drives me nuts and I have become, it used to just make me mad, but now I do something about it. Like I've gotten to the point in my life where I can't walk past a cart if it's not in the little slot that they put it there. I have to walk all around the parking lot like Rain Man and I have to start putting all of the carts back into their spot. Uh, one time uh, this year this happened, there was someone who literally got out, put it by the car next to them and just started to drive off. But before they could drive off, I kid you not, I grabbed the cart I happened to be walking by and I just stopped right in front of their car. And I just had a little, con I don't think they could hear me or they could care, but I was just having a conversation with them like, oh, you couldn't take time to do your car? Okay, I'll get the, is it cool? You want me to get the cart for you? That's fine. And I just stood there and they were just like looking at me and then I just walked off angry. Like that is a, I don't know why, a huge pet peeve of mine. There's another pet peeve of mine that I've had for a long time and I think it's partly because of the way I'm wired, but one of my biggest pet peeves in life is passive aggressive behavior. And I have, I've not just been on the receiving end of that. I gotta be honest with you. I have been a perpetrator of passive aggressive behavior many times in my life. And I just, I, as I get older again, I just like, I want you to confront me, tell me how it is, look me in the eye, man to man or woman to woman, and just give it to me straight. Like, I, no, no playing games. And, and here's what I found. Probably the highest form of passive aggressive behavior that we humans can give to each other is this thing that stings, man. You know what it is? It's the good old, come on, husband husbands, wives, it's the good old fashioned silent treatment. You ever done that? 
Like you've, you've weaponized silence for people you love in your life to make a point. Like, like, and it's so passive aggressive because you're just being quiet. On the surface, you can say, I'm not doing anything wrong, but you know exactly what you are doing when you are doing that, right? It is to punish. It is to harm. It is to make a, a point. It is with the intent to injure, right? And the reason I, I bring the silent treatment up is because one of the characteristics of the God that we serve, one of, let me put it this way, one of the tools in God's tool belt is actually this thing called silence. We don't think about it a lot. We don't talk about it a lot in the church, but one of the things that God leverages in his relationship with us, with humanity, is sometimes God in our lives just seems to be silent. But here's what you gotta know about God versus sometimes us crazy human beings. And I want you to understand this, especially if you're newer to the faith, because this is a game changer. God never weaponizes silence. Anytime, and we'll talk more about what that actually looks like and means, but anytime you might be walking through a season of silence with your creator, with the God that you serve he is never using it to injure. He is never using his silence to harm. He is never using his silence with any kind of malicious intent. It is always with a grander and greater purpose. And I have learned this, not only from the scriptures, like we're about to see one example in the scriptures of many, but I've learned this also in my personal walk with Jesus over the last 50 years, is that anytime you are going through what we'll, what we'll flesh out here today, a season of silence, in your relationship with God, it is almost always a thing that precedes Advent. And when we say the word Advent, a, a, a word that I would say is synonymous with the Advent, like the biggest Advent in the history of the world is what we're here to celebrate, right? It's Christ coming into this world. Advent uh, is the same as breakthrough. Greatest breakthrough in the history of the world was when God stepped off his throne and he subjected himself into the womb of a teenage peasant girl named Mary in Jerusalem, right? And he comes into this broken, fallen world. He, as Philippians says, he removes all of his rights and he, he, he gets rid of all of the creature comforts and he, of heaven and he comes down into this world to break through, to bring Advent to a place that had become so broken. When God uses silence, he never weaponize it. Silence, we, we as humans, we can weaponize it, but you know what else silence can be? It can be a high sign of intimacy, can it not? You guys know the old adage, you know how good of a friend you have, uh, the longer you can be in a room with them without having to say any words and you're not insecure. There's no distrust there. Like if you got a real one in your life, a real friend, and you can just sit there sometimes for hours upon hours and you guys don't have to say anything to be completely comfortable and okay with each other. That is intimacy. I love what Oswald Chambers says in his great devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, on this subject. He says, when you cannot, when you're in a season, Hills Church, where you cannot hear God, you will find that he has trusted you in the most intimate way possible with absolute Silence, not a silence of despair, but one of pleasure. And I love this. And we're gonna see this in the text today in Luke chapter one, because he saw that you could withstand an even bigger revelation. So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna go to a, 
a Christmas passage that I don't think gets enough airtime. I absolutely love this story. It inspires me greatly. I'm gonna give you a little context real quick before we jump into it. Uh, if you're newer to scripture, uh, let me just give you uh, just, just the, the 101 about Bible reading. And it is simply this. No matter where you start reading in the Bible, just know this. This whole book and this whole story is all about one person. It all centers around one person. The old covenant is all preparing a people for one person to advent and to come into this world. And then the whole New Testament is retroactively looking back on the cross, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ to teach us about what that looks like. So anytime we read anything in the Bible, just always know this, Jesus is always the star of the story no matter who's in the story. But for whatever reason, Jesus always invites, like I call them best supporting actors. And so today in this Christmas passage, our best supporting actors uh, is a guy by the name of Zachariah and his amazing wife, her name is Elizabeth. And then they are going to give birth to a guy who's pretty famous here in the church world. Uh, he would be named John at birth, but we now in the church world, knowing what we know, call him John the Baptist. Now here's what's happening before we pick up. There has just been in Israel, leading up to this moment, 400 years, you ready for this? Of silence from God. Now, we're blessed to live in an era where we have the fully finished, canonized word of God, right? We are blessed to live in an era where we can crack open this best, all-time best-selling book we can crack it open anytime we so choose. You could read this thing if you choose for hours and hours of day. We have the living, breathing, written, final, finished word of God at our fingertips. But in the old covenant, prior to this thing being finished, do you understand that they almost completely relied on the words of the prophets to act as the living, breathing words of God? And after Malachi, Malachi chapter four, let me, let me show you. This is uh, right here. This is Malachi chapter four. This is literally the last page of the old covenant. And then there's this cover page that just says what? It says New Testament. And then if I turn to the next page, it says Matthew chapter one. But isn't it interesting that between Malachi chapter four and between Matthew chapter one, there is a season of 400 years where God does not speak through a prophet to Israel, but God never weaponizes silence. God is using in this season, the silence from heaven to prepare people to get people sober, to get people in a state of anticipation and expectancy for what? More words from God, except this time we're gonna get not just more words from God, they're gonna get the prophet of all prophets. They're gonna get Jesus Christ, the one true final authoritative prophet to come in to this world. So that's where we pick up 400 years of silence. Luke chapter one, let's read. In the time of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. So Let's know that about him. He was a priest, faithful servant of God's temple who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. This is what I call a power couple, right? You got the priest in the temple and you got a, a woman who comes from the first priest ever, Aaron. Like this is a power couple. Listen to what it says about them. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God. That's goals for me and my wife. That's what, what I would love for people to say about us. And then listen to this. Can't say this one about me. Observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees what? Blamelessly. 
Right, this is an incredible couple. You would think that the world was just going amazing for them. You would think that if anybody deserves to have life and life to the fullest and for things to just be abundant, uh, it would be for Zachariah and Elizabeth. But this is what I love about the Bible, man. It just tells us the truth about the human experience on this side of heaven because listen to what the very next verse says. It says next, but they had no child. Why? Because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So in one statement, this is what we get told about life. They lived righteously, they lived blamelessly, and yet at the exact same time simultaneously, they were barren. So not only did the priest of God, Zechariah, uh, was, was living on the back end of 400 years of silence, in their community, him and Elizabeth were also like many of you walking through a very personal season of silence when it came to something so important. They were barren. Now, uh, if just statistically because of the size of this room, if we passed the mic, you would be amazed at how many people in our church family actually have walked through the very painful reality of infertility. Help me say that word. Infertility, sorry, my brain just lost it for a minute. Infertility. I, as a pastor over the years, have got to walk through so many different families that have wrestled with this and gone through this, and I've seen the toll it takes. I've seen the unnecessary but very real and profound guilt and shame and mind games that can come with infertility. It's difficult enough in 2023 to be a human being or a husband and wife that walk through that story, but imagine being in first century Judea at the time of Zach and Liz. Because they erroneously, this was a wrong belief, we now know this from the teachings of Jesus, but they erroneously believed, uh, they did it with good hearts, but they believed that anytime someone in, in the Jewish culture was barren, that it was flat out judgment from God because of some kind of sin, some kind of secret or well-known sin. But what did we just read in the scriptures? They were righteous in God's sight. They, they observed all of God's commands. It said, blamelessly, and yet we're still barren. They had been in decades of a season of silence. I'm, here's what I'm talking about when I'm talking to you about the silence of God. I'm talking about, have you ever been in a season, and please don't lie, we're in church. Have you ever been in a season where it feels like almost every prayer that you're praying and petitioning to your God, it just feels like it hits the wall and bounces right back down into your lap? Have you ever been in a barren season where you're reading God's word and you're trying to be inspired by God's word and it just feels lifeless? I've been in a multitude of those seasons. They used to scare me. They used to feel like indictments. They used to feel like everything was wrong between me and God, like the world was falling apart. What do I do? But the more I've lived in my relationship with God, the more I've started to reframe the silence of God and I've started to learn that he does not weaponize silence. He is always using it as a season of preparation for, you ready for this? Advent, breakthrough. Listen, God, and, and let's, let's talk about the whole word of God. Let's be fair here. There are multiple times in scripture where God goes silent because of sin, whether it's communal sin, national sin, 
or whether it's personal sin, God will sometimes pull out the silence tool out of his tool bag because of sin. But even when he gets silent and there's a breach in your relationship, which the Bible tells us very clearly, uh, sin brings a, a disconnect, a breach between us and God. But even when you feel that silence and distance from God, it's not God punishing you. It's God trying to do everything within his loving kindness to awaken your soul to the fact that that sin is going to hurt you. It's gonna hurt the people around you and it's going to ultimately cause total separation. And so in his disconnect and silence, he's not punishing you. He's trying to bring breakthrough. He's trying to sober the human heart up to a place of what the Bible calls repentance. He's trying to get us to change our minds, which always lead to a changed heart, which always opens the door for advent and breakthrough with God. So they were blameless and they were barren. It goes on to say in verse eight, once Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. This is cool. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. And this principle that I find in what we just read has saved me through some seasons of silence that I've walked through in my 26 years of walking with Christ. It says this, Zachariah was on duty serving. Everybody say serving. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had faithfully and righteously, and as they said about Zach and Elizabeth, blamelessly spent my life devoted to following the decrees of God, while simultaneously sitting under the community's judgment because they thought because of our barrenness, we had some type of secret sin or lack or breach of integrity. Having to walk through that for decades, crying out to God, like if you ever wanted to do that, like give your resume to God. God, I have faithfully served in your temple decade after decade. God, I don't know hardly anyone in our town more than me and Elizabeth who have tried to faithfully and blamelessly take your Torah seriously, take the words and commands of God seriously. And God, all we asked for was that you would give us this desire that you, by the way, God, put in our hearts, right? One of the first things God ever said he wanted from us as humans was in Genesis to what? Be fruitful and multiply, Having babies in the Jewish culture was about as sacred as sacred God. And these people who have lived blamelessly aren't getting the answers from God they want. You know what they're getting when they pray these prayers? Come on, we all know what that feels like. They're getting silence. It would be so easy in those seasons, I know because I've been tempted before, to wanna give up, to wanna back away to wanna to start doubting and questioning some things about your faith. But what I love about Zachariah and Elizabeth in this Advent season, Hills Church, is that they are found in the midst of silence from God on a really big issue, in the midst of not having any type of answers about what God's up to or why he's doing to them, what he's doing to them. In the midst of that, what's he found faithfully doing in his old age? Serving. And so the one quick point I just wanna to make to you guys this morning, if you happen to be here and you are walking through one of those seasons where it just feels like there's a disconnect between God and I, you have a good heart, you have good intentions. I mean, you showed up today for goodness sakes, right? You're here because you care. Just keep serving. Just keep walking out your purpose because God is not, weaponizing his silence. God is not punishing you in his silence. 
Just keep finding yourself serving. But then it, it also says that he was burning incense. This was this ancient Jewish way of worshiping God. What you gotta realize is their incense cost them something. Their incense to God was, was human, it was, it, was, it was life. It was animals, right? The incense they would burn in the temple on the altar was the blood of bulls and goats and doves. It was a sacrificial system in the old covenant, right? We, we know that. That incense they would burn to God, that took life from people for that worship to happen. But what I love about Zechariah is in the midst of the barrenness and in the midst of the one thing him and Elizabeth wanted most and continually getting no answer to, continually receiving silence from God, he's still right in the middle of the temple of God, not just for him, but for his people and for his community, he's serving them in worship. Do you know what a sweet smelling aroma to the nostrils of God that worship must have been? Knowing what it costs Zachariah to go in there and year after year, decade after decade, keep faithfully worshiping God? So when you're in a season of silence, and I'm preaching to myself today, y'all, but I'm preaching to you as well. Just, just, just understand this. Just keep serving. Just keep walking according to your values. Stay committed to what you believe in. Keep serving your families. Husbands, keep serving your wives in difficult seasons like that. Don't back away. Don't play small. Don't back down. Wives, keep serving your husbands. Keep serving your children faithfully. When your, when, when your children, they won't, they won't express it to you, but I call it holy osmosis. When your children see you walking through hell and high water and you keep faithfully serving your God, you keep faithfully serving your spouse, you keep faithfully serving them, you serve your coworkers, you serve your community, you keep serving the local church. It is one of the greatest teaching things you will ever do for your children is when, when it's good, we serve. When we're going through hell and high water, we serve. When life is going amazing, we worship. We, we bring our incense to God. When life is going awful and the silence of God seems to be your story, we just keep worshiping God. Some of the most precious, faith-filled worship you will ever give to God is when you are feeling nothing. But because of your faith, in what you know that you know that you know in the depths of your heart comes to the forefront and you just keep worshiping in the silence. It is, you won't feel it, you won't know it, but I'm just here to remind you, it is some of the most sacrificial, beautiful, sweet worship you will ever give to God. I'm already being Oscared out of here. This is beautiful. <laughs> No, it's baptism day. This isn't the Chad thing today. This is most important messages we're about to hear from some other people. Goes on to say this. An angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Advent is here. It's time for the silence on this issue to be broken. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. Listen to this. Listen to the kid that they've been praying for decades for. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many, that's an understatement, will rejoice because of his birth. 
for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. Now this is really cool. Remember how the old covenant ended with the last words of the last prophet named Malachi? The angel talking to Zechariah. Zechariah as a priest would have, had, would have had the book of Malachi memorized because those were the very last words from a prophet that they had heard. So could you imagine how much their nation leaned into the words of Malachi? And now all of a sudden he's about to hear the angel of the Lord literally talking about the son he's going to have, the miracle baby. And he literally quotes from the prophet Malachi. This is Malachi 4, 5, and 6. The angel says to, to Zechariah, he, John, will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. That's a verbatim quote from Malachi 4, 5. To the hearts, he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. And he ends by quoting Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, word for word. He says, your son is gonna make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zachariah asked the angel, I think this is a fair question. How can I be sure of this? He says, because I'm an old man. He's a smart old man. He's been married a while because listen to what he says about his wife. He's like, I'm an old man, but my wife is well along in years. Smart move. Taking notes. Doesn't that sound like a fair question? The angel of the Lord said to him this though. This, this kind of used to confuse me. This sounded like punitive or like he's getting punished for, a, for an honest question. He says, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now, <laughs> what's coming next again? More silence. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which, came tr which, will, which will come true at what? Not in your timetable, not in your time frame, but they will come true, God's word is always a yes and an amen. Jeremiah 1.12 says, if God said it, he will perform it. But listen, it is rarely in the time frame and in the fashion and in the way any of us would draw it up because when you remember this in seasons of silence, remember this in seasons where you're praying those prayers and they're hitting the walls and feeling like they're bouncing right back down to you. When you pray personal prayers and petitions to God, he's never just filtering his answer through what you need most in that moment. He's also thinking about what it does for the community around you, your family, your friends, your church, your coworkers, your community. He's also thinking about how does this answer to this prayer play in the greater story of God? Because we are obsessed in the West with the personal relationship with God. But if you really read the story in context, this, this story front to back, it is a communal story, y'all. It's not just about any one of us. It's about every one of us together, working together together. And you know what God was thinking that they would have never known for those decades of silence? Thank goodness he didn't give up on serving. Thank goodness he didn't quit worshiping. He would have missed that angelic visitation in the temple if he would have quit because they never got the answer to prayer they were looking for in the time frame they wanted it. He would have missed out on John the Baptist. I think of that verse in Ephesians to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly far more than you ask or think or imagine according to the power of God that is within you. Like this is just one of those grand moments where it's like, oh my word. Yeah, you answered this prayer in the 11th hour and 59th minute, but you answered this prayer. We didn't give up. 
John's now, Zachariah would have been reflecting going, oh my word. All this time where we got questions and we had doubts and we had sadness and we had to grieve through not being able to have a child. You were at work in something so much bigger than we could have ever thought. You weren't punishing us. You were preparing us for breakthrough, for Advent. And so Gabriel gives him what seems like a punishment. It's just be quiet for the next two, three trimesters. You're not gonna talk. And I look back on my four kids that I had and I'm like, God, that would have been a gift to me. Actually, it would have been more of a gift to my wife. Wish I'd have known that. Just shut up during, when women are pregnant, just shut up. Let them be them. Let them be, they're, they're growing a baby on the inside of them. Give them grace and just shut up, dads, right? But you know what Gabriel's doing, what looks like a punishment with more silence again, because God never weaponizes silence. Gabriel is being kind enough to go, I will not let your human limiting beliefs talk you out of the power of God in your life. So we're gonna have a little more silence until this thing comes to fruition because there's gonna be an advent of a prophet named John the Baptist who's literally going to prepare the way. Your son, Zach and Elizabeth, is gonna be the one who ultimately prepares the people to see and recognize and receive Jesus. My time is up. I have been played out. I appreciate that. We're gonna move on to something so beautiful right now, but can I just do this real quick with every head bowed? Thank you for listening today to my heart. If you're in here and you'd say, man, I just happen to be in one of those rhythms right now where I'm not feeling a lot of fills when it comes to my walk with God. I'm feeling a disconnect right now. I'm praying some impassionate prayers right now. And it just seems like I get radio silence from God. And it's starting to wear on, on my persevering spirit. It's starting to, to wear on my walk with God a little bit. And I just, I need to be prayed for. But I also today, I wanna re-up with encouragement to know that this silence is not punishment. It is preparation. If that's you today, we wanna pray for you. Would you just by faith put up a hand? Just let's just have an honest moment in church. Yeah, I see hands everywhere. This is not anything unusual. This is just what we as believers are asked to steward on this side of earth in its brokenness still. And I just wanna challenge everyone who put their hand up, do not quit serving. Do not quit your values. Do not quit your beliefs. Do not quit worshiping. It is beautiful incense to God when you bring this season and you just keep showing up. So Jesus, we pray for every person with their hand raised. And we just ask that in this Christmas season, they would fill Emmanuel, God with us, God, that they would be able to reframe their thinking about this season. And this season would not be an indictment, but it would be a beautiful classroom knowing that you are preparing them at the right time in the right way for Advent, for breakthrough. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all my friends said today, amen. That is the shortest I've ever preached in the history of Hills Church because we're gonna let them preach now. One thing we always do if you're newer to this place, and I love it, two most sacred things Jesus gave us to do is baptism and communion. So we end every service, as most of you know, by taking communion. And I just want you to know, if you're newer to it especially, that the Bible says, essentially, when we take communion, we are telling and retelling and retelling the story of God together as a community. It is a beautiful thing. Paul said on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is 
broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup and he put it up to the fellows and he said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood. Think about who you are now in Christ Jesus because of his finished work on the cross. The Bible calls you holy because of Jesus. Like Zach and Elizabeth, even though you practically don't feel this way, do you know what Ephesians 1 says you are because of Jesus, not because of you, because of Jesus, you're holy and blameless. Rest in that today. Right now, no matter what you walked in here with, you are holy and you are blameless. So for the next minute, let's take communion together. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.